0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, I want to preach a message, not like this morning's message, a little bit different. You've probably read this chapter and this passage before, but this is what God spoke to my heart about during this week. And during this week, and I mentioned this in Sunday School and even last night at Men's Prayer, it might have been, as far as just numbering results, it might have been one of the most fruitful weeks of my life as far as ministry goes, as far as numbering results. And you understand, not all fruit is fruit that you can see. There's fruit that you cannot see that God is producing all the time, and whether you see things or not, but this week we got to see some things. And at our youth conference, the beginning of the week, we got to see some things. We saw some hands raised for different things. Young men surrendering to preach and young people getting saved and surrendering the mission field and things. And God moved in a powerful way the beginning of the week. And then at the end of the week, Pastor made mention uh, in a different meeting in a different state as with our girls tour group. And I'm glad they were there and they got to be a part of it and got to see it and got to sing We saw 34 young people get saved, and we saw 21 young men surrender to preach. And then 20 young people filled out applications to come to college here, and that was a blessing. God's been good to us. Also in that spot where I was, where I was in that camper, that spot, I was sitting in the camper working on this message, probably about 50 feet, 50 feet away from the place where I stood, 50 feet away from the place where I stood the night when I called pastor and said, you know what? God dealt with my heart tonight and uh, we're going we're gonna to come. We're going to move to California. And that was a blessing. Amen. And uh, God used that place in our life there. Because of that, God spoke to my heart about some things. I want to share it with you tonight here in Luke chapter number 17. Let's read in verse number 11. Is the microphone good to go, Josh, or no? So when I came up here and he went like this, were you lying or was that just for God? No, that's all right. Now, how is it going, Josh? my on now. Thank <laughs> All right, Luke chapter number 17, this mic is on, and that's all that matters. All right, verse number 11, look at what the Bible says. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest's. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice, see what he did, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this, and here's an important word, Stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. Jesus is entering into a village, and the village is not known by its name. It's known for these ten individuals that lived in it. And they didn't necessarily live in the city, but they lived on the outskirts of it because of their disease. They're known by their condition. These ten men are ten lepers. That means these men are totally without hope. They are unclean. They are cast off. They are overlooked. They're the rejects of the rejects in that region. They're lepers. But Jesus passes by, and that's always a good day when Jesus passes by. And these men who would have had voices that were very hoarse and very weak used everything within them to cry out as they stood afar off. And they asked Jesus to show mercy on them. And I like what the Bible says. He saw them. He heard them. He considered them and gave them a word. He said, go show yourselves unto the priest. Those men obeyed his word, all 10 of them, nine Jews and one Gentile. And they begin to go toward where the priest would be. But the Bible says one man in verse 15 said he saw. He took time to contemplate the goodness of God in his life. And as he took time to consider what grace had just done, he did an about face. He turned around, and instead of going to the priest, he was compelled to go back to the feet of the Lord. And the Bible said he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he gave him glory. He fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. And because that man went back and gave him thanks, he got more than everybody else did. He didn't just get cleansed. Jesus made him whole. I like the story. He said, you know what? Because of what grace has done for me, because of what God has done for me, because of what Jesus did in my life, I can't go until first I tell him, thank you. Amen. For a little while this evening, I just want to preach on this thought. I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. I think tonight that it would do you well, just like it has done and will do me well if we'd spend some time with some gratitude and just say, Lord, thank you. God's been good to us, hadn't he? There's nobody here tonight that could say God's been anything less than good. He's been better to you and I than what we deserve. And for a little while tonight, I just want to, I'm praying God will just kind of take the governor off the thing, that we'd give him liberty and he'd give us liberty just to spend some time saying, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for power, please. Thank you for the service tonight. Thank you for the musicians and those who uh, sang in the choir, the specials. Thank you for the sound men, the media team and all that they do. Thank you for our church family and for them being here all day today and working And God, I pray tonight you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that we just worship you a little while, that we'd reflect a little while, and that we'd show you thanks. Thank you for being so good to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Bob Jones Sr. made the statement, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, he's well nigh hopeless. Gratitude is all about remembering. In fact, I'll say it like this. If you have trouble in the gratitude area, then you probably have a problem in the remembering area. I think that's where America stands tonight. In fact, I believe that's probably the problem in America. Everything else that you and I see that shoots up like weeds and chokes the life from our society can all be traced back to the seeds of ingratitude. The attitude and the arrogance we see today is because we have a strong sense of not gratitude, but ingratitude. We don't have much gratitude for the freedoms that we enjoy. We don't have much gratitude for those who fought and died to give us those freedoms. We don't show a lot of gratitude for the blessings of just simply living in America. Grateful people draw from positive memories. They look back on their past and they count their blessings. They don't fabricate hurts or fabricate wrongs, but they focus on the goodness that came to them in the past. Whether it be a temporal thing or an eternal thing, a person who has gratitude alive in their heart is one who chooses to routinely remember the good things that have rolled into their life. I read a statement and said gratitude is the memory of the heart. And we live in a day where there's an obvious failure to remember because we live in an hour of ingratitude. In general, I'm afraid people expect things and because of that we're not thankful for much They believe they're entitled. They can't appreciate being blessed because we're too wrapped in believing that we are owed. That's a far cry from the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul never lost focus of what he was and who he was, and that's why he testified and he said, I'm not owed. He said, I am a debtor. And let me say it tonight, God doesn't owe you and I anything, but tonight we owe him everything. Our generation is so blessed, and I'm afraid we're so blessed that even saved people sometimes feel like we don't get all that we deserve from God. That's why our altars are so empty. That's why testimonies are so scarce. That's why amens are so hard to come by. That's why we can't find tears on our cheeks. That's why we've fallen in line with our culture. And even when it comes to eternal things, I fear that we're living a little bit like we're entitled. Let me remind you and me tonight that if we got what we deserve from God, we wouldn't be sitting in a padded church pew. We wouldn't be breathing air. We wouldn't be walking on God's earth. If we got what we deserve from God tonight, we'd all be in hell. with our back broke. Anything more than hell from God's hand to your life is more than you deserve. God doesn't owe me anything, but I owe him everything. I am a debtor. I'm a recipient. I'm a beneficiary. I've been blessed and highly favored, and I didn't deserve one iota of it. I owe a debt for every breath that I breathe. I owe a debt for every day that I live. I owe a debt for every meal that I eat. Our debt for every step that I take. I Our debt for every prayer that I'm able to pray. Our debt for my family. Our debt for my home. Our debt for my income. Our debt for my health. Our debt for my church and everything in my life came into my life from God. Every area of my life has been touched by His grace. Every area of my life has been touched by His mercy. Every area of my life has been touched By the good hand of God. I've been guided by providence, kept safe by His watch care. Thank God for the indwelling of His Holy Spirit. God has been good in my life. I could be in jail right now if it wasn't for grace. I could be dead tonight if it wasn't for grace. I could be a drunk if it wasn't for grace. I could have a broken home if it wasn't for grace. I could be in a foreign country without the gospel if it was not for the grace of God. I could be in hell right now if it was not for grace. But I'm happy today to tell you that God did not give me what I deserve. I'm glad God did not give me justice. I'm glad God did not meet the transgression in my life. But when justice called. I'm glad mercy answered. I'm glad he gave me cleansing. I'm glad he gave me salvation. I'm glad he gave me a healing. I'm glad he made me whole. And tonight I just want to take some time to not get so busy about the peripheral and so wrapped up in everything else. But I think it'd do my heart well and yours too uh, to go back to Jesus tonight and not ask him for anything but praise him over everything. He's been good in your life and he's been good in my life. And I just want to say thank you Jesus Psalm 30 and verse 12 says oh Lord my God I'll give thanks unto thee forever gratitude might die on the altar of our generation it might perish on the altar of the lost world it might be a bygone expression from another era for many but you and I who know the Lord ought not ever have gratitude die on the altar of our hearts I want to say thank you Jesus thank you for every breath I breathe thank you for every step I take Thank you for, for every day I live. Thank you for every meal I enjoy. Thank you for the home that we have. Thank you for the church we attend. Thank you for saving my soul. What kind of a revival might we have in our cold hearts tonight if we quit meditating on what we're missing and quit getting hung up on what we wish we had and just thank God for how good God has been in our life. I think that's what the psalmist was thinking when he said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his name." bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all of his benefits i think that's what paul said in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you he's saying in everything for everything every day and every moment your eyes when they open from sleep your feet when they touch the floor every moment and movement throughout the day you ought to say thank you jesus we sing the song and i owe it all to you lord All I have is yours, Lord. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. If gratitude's the memory of the heart, then I pray God will refresh our hearts and give us a good memory tonight. And for a few moments, think with me on this. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. In Luke 17, Christ gives us a lesson in a few different areas. You read the entirety of the chapter, he'll give us a lesson in forgiveness, a lesson in faith, there's a lesson in the future, and then there's a lesson here of the fruit of simply saying thank you. Christ is en route to Jerusalem. In just a couple of chapters, he'll arrive in that city for the last time. He'll have a final supper with his disciples. He'll go to the Garden of Gethsemane and they're praying agony. And then ultimately, he'll be taken in custody and stand before a kangaroo court and nailed to an old rugged cross for my sin and for yours. Our text that we read already opens with Christ passing through an unnamed village that the Bible describes by the region in which it's located. I love what it says in verse 11. It says it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed, and look what it says, through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. There's a lot of insight in that statement into the heart of Christ found in that little phrase, in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. If you know anything about your Bible, that ought to speak a lot to you about the love of God for Samaria sinners. Samaria and Galilee is a reject region. That's a region of mixed blood. Those are those that were looked down and outcast by most. You know the Samaritans were Gentiles, Assyrians and Jews intermarried in Galilee largely Jewish. But what I like about Jesus is he didn't go all to one side or the other. He went right down the middle. You know why that is? Jesus is for every sinner. He wants every sinner to get saved. Red and yellow, black and white, Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter who they are. How how far down they've gone jesus likes to save sinners if you are a strict adherence to the jewish religion you never would have gone through that region the average rabbi of that day would have never gone through samaria especially but i'm glad jesus wasn't the average rabbi of the day in fact you study out his life he was raised in galilee You study his ministry, and you find most of it was in Galilee. I was studying it. 25 miracles he performed in Galilee. 19 parables he gave in Galilee, in the midst of Samaria and Galilee, where no one else would want to be. That's exactly where Jesus wanted to be. As you read down into the text, you read that this village isn't, I said, known by its name, but it's known by 10 men that lived on the outskirts of town. In verse number 12, see what it says. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, in this region of outcasts, there's a group of men here who are the outcasts of the outcast crowd. If the midst of Samaria and Galilee was a place for those who were rejected by the general public, then these ten men are the rejected of the rejects. In the midst of those who are considered dogs and dirt to the Jews of the day, these 10 men were deemed as good as dead to those who lived in that city and they made them dwell afar off. The Bible tells us these 10 men were lepers. Now think of it. They're not known by their 401k. They're not known by their college alma mater. They're not known by their occupation. They're not known by Democrat or Republican. They're simply known by their disease. Their entire identity is wrapped up in their affliction. The Bible doesn't even tell us their name. It just says they're lepers. It doesn't say they're ten fathers. It doesn't say they're ten brothers. It does not say they are ten sons. It does not say if they're tradesmen or merchants or soldiers. It just says that they are lepers. There are nine Jewish individuals, and there's one Samaritan or Gentile individual. Isn't that interesting? These two crowds that would never intermingle are brought together by that common bond that all of them were unmarried clean in the eyes of God. You studied your Bible, you already know this, but leprosy was a fatal disease. Leprosy was a fellowship breaking disease and leprosy was a flesh destroying disease. Every aspect of life would have been touched by that disease. The terrible effects of leprosy would intrude upon every area of their existence in every way you can imagine. Leprosy was a disease that destroyed and stole away From the one who had it. So, in labeling these ten men as lepers, the Bible's telling us number one about their physical condition. When you looked at them, you could tell they weren't right. Their body was being eaten by disease. You study out leprosy, and it begins on your peripheral nerves and begins to deaden your feelings. You can't feel things. Then it begins to eat away at your flesh. That which was unseen at first begins to work its way on the outside. It would begin to dim the vision and the hair would fall out and scales and scabs all over the body. And these men looked like walking piles of decay. It t- tells us about their physical condition, but then the social consequences of this disease were horrible. These 10 men were separated from society. I said they lived in the region of the rejects, but then they were rejected from that area. They had to live on the outskirts of town because of their disease. They were broken for away from their family. They couldn't hold a job any longer. Their life was utterly without any hope. They walked around, and folks would take a wide path around them. If they sat on a stone, you couldn't sit on the stone. If they stood under a tree, you couldn't stand under the tree. If they drank from a fountain, then you could not drink from the fountain because everything they touched was corrupted. Then thirdly, it tells us about the religious condemnation. That cry of unclean, unclean was not physical dirtiness. But rather, they were walking around advertising the fact that they weren't right with God. Everywhere they went the cry from the horse throats of those lepers was basically this I'm unrighteous. I'm unrighteous. I'm not right with God. And here are these men without any hope in the medical realm. Here are these men without any hope in the social realm here are these men without any hope in the spiritual realm and they've been left alone to decay and die outside the city limits of an outcast village I don't doubt the cries could be heard by those inside the city unclean, unclean and I don't doubt those cries were mixed in with cries of despair, the lepers because of the law had to cry out but I often believe they probably cried out not just in despair, unclean unclean, but they probably cried out mercy, mercy, but every time they cried out mercy, there was no answer that came back. They cried out mercy and no one responded. They cried out, help, help, and nobody answered their cry. I wonder if they cried out as the scribe passed by, but the scribe did not help. Maybe they cried out as the priest passed by, but the priest did not help. Maybe they cried out as a doctor passed by, but the doctor did not help. Maybe they cried out to family as they would pass by, but their family could not help. Maybe a friend would pass by and they cried out for help. And yet that friend could not help. They found no mercy in the law. They found no mercy in their religion. They found no mercy in secularism. They found no mercy in their physician. They found no mercy in their peers. They threw their bucket of hope down every well that passed by. But every time they drew that bucket back, they found that bucket was empty. My, what a miserable, broken, and hopeless life they lived. But isn't it just like God to send grace where it's needed the most? That's a good place for a free hallelujah right there. Isn't it just like God to send help where it's needed the most? Isn't it just like God to send mercy where it's needed the most? That's a good place for an amen. Isn't it just like God to send fullness where it's the most empty? Isn't it just like God to send hope where it's the most hopeless? Isn't it just like God to send mercy right on the brink of judgment? I've said it before, but I'll say it again. God's the hero in every Bible story, and I'm glad the hero shows up here in verse number 12. Oh, happy day in the lives of these lepers. As you read in verse number 12, they were standing afar off, but Jesus Jesus passes by. They're being obedient to the stigma. They have to stay on the outskirts of town, but I'm glad Jesus passed by. They see Jesus from afar and begin to cry out. Now they're not crying out, unclean, unclean, but now they cry out, have mercy on us. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is being guilty by not having to face a sentence. Mercy is being treated even though you were wrong like you were right mercy is you deserving to be locked in chains instead you've been set free in verse 14 we can read it here's what it says and when he saw them that's a great statement he saw them he said he saw and then he spoke go show yourselves unto the priest and it came to pass that as they went they were cleansed there it is mercy answered the call where justice was trying to serve a sentence Jesus looks on those lepers that have been overlooked for so long and he gives them instructions he says go show yourself unto the priest now Jesus knew there's no power in the priest but there's power in faith if they would take Jesus at his word, they could be cleansed. Can you see it in your mind as you read the story? These ten men that have been broken, these ten men that were outcasts, these ten men that were severed from society and outside the fellowship of, of God, here they are. And Jesus says, hey, go show yourself to the priest. They take him at his word. They tried everything else. They tried every doctor. They tried to fix their own life, and they couldn't do it. They said, well, just trust Jesus with it. those ten men. Make their way to the priest. And as they go, they're being cleansed as they go. I think the further they went, the more they got cleansed. You know why? The more you obey, the more you get blessed. And I can see as they begin to walk away and they begin to get cleansed and all of a sudden those scabs, or those uh, oozing sores dry up. All of a sudden that pain begins to ease a little bit. All of a sudden those aching joints don't hurt quite as bad. Those nine Jews get sort of excited about it but they press on toward the priest. But there's one fellow he's a Samaritan. He had no right. He had no claim to Jesus as Messiah. He understood what had just happened to him. The Bible said he took time out to shout me. Him. He said, my goodness, look what grace has done. My goodness, look what mercy's done. My goodness, look what the love of God has done. He said, I don't know who that priest is, but I know who the one is that healed me. He said, I'm not going to the priest. He did an about face and runs back and slides in the feet of Jesus to give him glory. You ever notice how it is? Folks who live by the ocean don't ever want to see the ocean. Folks who live in the mountains don't care about seeing the mountains. Folks who live in a big city aren't impressed with the city because because they're too familiar with it. Here's what it is. Those Jews were a little bit too familiar with the things of God. They'd been raised around the things of God. They'd been involved in the things of God. But that old stranger, that old Samaritan, he knew exactly what he was. He knew exactly where he stood. He'd never had any claim to God before. He wasn't familiar. He was He was obsessed. He couldn't believe. Are you kidding me? I've been outcast. I've been forsaken. And now the Lord has touched my life. He he said, I tell you what, before I see a priest, I just got to tell him thank you. I can't go talk to a priest until I tell him thank you. And he goes back to Jesus, falls on his face, and the Bible says he gives him glory. Oh, my. One of them out of 10 goes back. He saw. Once he saw, once he computed, once he realized what God had done in his life, His heart wouldn't let him run to some priest. He didn't run back to his family. He didn't go back to the house he'd had to forsake, but gratitude for grace, whoop, man, gratitude for grace, gratitude for grace made him constrained. He had to go back to Jesus' feet and give him the glory. That voice that had been so hoarse can now cry out crystal clear, no scratching it anymore. He didn't have to whisper unclean, but now he says, glory to Jesus, like a brass trumpet he sounds. The last word of verse 16 gives us that insight. He was a stranger. He was a samaritan that title tells us he was unwanted even before he was a leper he wasn't welcomed even before he'd been outcast he was always a stranger how much greater had mercy been for him how much greater had grace been for him how much better had god been in his life that old gentile leper who'd been thrown to the side and forsaken was made clean by christ That disease stole a lot away, and Jesus got it all back. That stigma of being a Samaritan was now taken away. He's not the man he used to be. He feels different. He looks different. He sounds different. That's because he is different. And when he realized that, he said, I just got to say, thank you, Jesus. He said, if God can do me that good, he said, then I can't help but open my mouth and say, Lord, I just want to glorify you a minute. Lord, I just want to praise you a minute. Lord, I just want to extol you a minute. Lord, I just want to lift you up a minute. Lord, I just want to magnify you a minute. I've been living outside of society, but now I'm going to sit at the feet of the Savior. I'm a new creature and I'm thankful. I'm not hurting anymore and I'm thankful. My life has changed and I'm thankful. I was decaying, but I got mercy. He lifted up his voice and praise the Lord. He'd been a pile of corruption, and now he's a trophy of amazing grace, and that's just like our God that where sin abounds. I'm glad grace does much more abound. He goes back to the Savior, lays down at his feet, and when Jesus saw him at his feet, he said, I'll tell you what that does for me. Jesus said, that stirs me up, that it stirs your heart about you being cleansed. I'm going to give you more than the other crowd. Those nine can leave with their cleansing, but not you. Your feet faith has made you whole. That's a lot better than cleansing. Cleansing works on the outside. Being whole changes the inside. You say, what are you talking about? It's more than outside. It's more than exterior. It's more than ceremony. His entire life was given back to him. What I mean is all the scales disappeared. All the scars, I believe, disappeared. Any missing appendages, they came back. And when you looked at that old leper, it wasn't like he used to be a leper. It was like a totally new Man, you say, how'd that happen? He went back to Jesus and said, thank you. He used to be consumed with the disease, and now he's consumed with gratitude. Let me apply this. Last time I checked, none of us were born saved. And I know some of you act like you were, but you weren't. B.R. Lakin used to say, you need to straighten up your halo. It's a little crooked. Last I checked, none of us were born Righteous. Last I checked, none of us were born inside the camp. Every single one of us here tonight was born a stranger. We were born into this world outside the city a reject a forgotten one. We were aliens and spiritual lepers and like the leper, our life was hopeless but thank God there was a day when Jesus passed by. We sing that song, do you remember when you were drowning in a sea of sin going down for the last time but then you called upon his name. I'm looking at a lot of people tonight. I'm talking about you and you're looking up here at me, all of us tonight. I ought to take time to lift our hands and raise our voice and say praise be to God. Glory to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I was headed to hell and now I'm not. I'm a child of the king. I was shackled by a heavy burden, neath the load of care and shame. But then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I'm no longer the same. I just want to take a minute tonight to say thank you, Jesus. All I have is cause of him. All I am is because of him. I have a home in heaven. Why? Because of him. I'm glad when I was way down, his hand could reach further down than mine could reach Up and He came to where I was and pulled me out of a pit, turned my life around, put my feet on a solid rock, established my goings, put a new song in my heart, made me a new creature in Christ. I'm not going to hell tonight. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I got a mansion on streets of gold, and it helped our heart tonight just to say thank you, Jesus. Gratitude is the choice of memory. You choose to be thankful. Goodness of God for every breath. The goodness of God for every sunrise. The goodness of God for every step is over to thank you. We ought to be in hell. When's the last time you said thank you? You ought to be in prison maybe. When's the last time you said thank you? You could be alone tonight. When's the last time you said thank you? You've had food to eat today. When's the last time you said thank you? Amen. You have a church to attend. When's the last time that you said thank you? You felt the touch of God on your life. When's the last time you said thank you? You've heard his voice in the stillness of the night. When's the last time you told him thank you? Your heart burned as you read his word. When's the last time you said thank you? That's one of the basic things that we teach our children is to say thank you. When somebody does something kind, it is just common courtesy to go back and say thank you you. And the same thing as adults we send texts and say thank you or handwrite a letter and say thank you. Why? Because decent people just say thank you. What well, can I say as God's people we have reason to go back to Jesus tonight and write him a thank you letter or say thank you to him this evening. He's been good in our life. We can say thank you for the blood that you shed for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for the King James Bible. You preserved for our day. Thank you for the brethren. I give to go to church with. Thank you for the blessings you've showered on my life. Thank you for the mercy you show me every day. Thank you for the love that you've wrapped me up in. Thank you for the grace that guides me. Thank you for a second chance. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you for preaching. Thank you for America. Thank you for health. Thank you for life. Thank you for energy. Thank you for provision. Thank you for your presence. If Noah could come here tonight, I think he'd say thank Thank you for that art. I'm thinking if David could come tonight, he'd say thank you for that sling. If the Hebrew children could be here tonight, they hey, thank you for the fiery furnace. I think Daniel would say thank you for being with him in the lion's den. And Paul, thank you. And Nehemiah, thank you. And tonight if you're saved. Well, we have reason to say thank you. I'm glad I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm glad I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I'm glad I've been a recipient of loving kindness and I can wake up every morning with sure mercies that are new every day. I'm glad I'm saved. Remember the day you got saved. When's the last time you just took time to say thank you for saving my soul? I'm thankful I got called to preach. I'm thankful on that Sunday morning in North Carolina so many years ago that the preacher preached and God for some reason reached out and touched my heart, called my number and said, I want you to be a preacher. Had no Bible college training, just been saved about a year, and God said, I want you to be a preacher. I would have had no idea what God would allow me to do, that surrendering on that Sunday morning. I'm thankful for that. Well, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all those people across America that we got to build relationships with through those many years that still will text me. They watch our services now and will text me. This afternoon, people text, watch you preach, still praying for you like we always used to pray for you. every. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all those miles of travel and never once an accident. God's been good. I'm thankful there four years ago when I was in that camper, at that little camp middle of nowhere in Georgia. And I was preaching to those young men about your one step, one step between you and something you can't even believe God would do for you. I'm thankful that God broke my heart while I was preaching to other people. And I fell down on that platform where I stood Friday night and gave that invitation. And said, preacher, you've got to take it. I can't, I can't preach. God's just dealing with my heart. And I knew God, plain as day, I knew God called me here. They asked me, they said, you regret anything about it? I said, yeah, I regret it I didn't go the year before. I'm glad for that. I'm thankful this week we had all those teenagers here. And some of them are still here. Do you need a ticket? What is wrong? But I'm... <clears throat> Can you imagine God privileged us to host? He entrust, the, the word is he entrusted us to handle those that he cares about the most, little ones, and to preach the devil out of them, amen, and to have fun. And, but the thing was, they raised their hand and got saved. Some of them raised their hands and said, I'll be a preacher. Man, I'm thankful for that. You know places they'll go a whole year and not see anybody get saved they not see anybody surrender to the ministry. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. It was a blessing to me on Thursday. I I went there Wednesday and preached in Georgia. It was a blessing to me on Thursday. I felt like I, I, I was homesick, almost weird feeling. It was almost like I hadn't been here for a long... I was only gone for 24 hours at that time. And Brother Dave Smith pulled up. And I felt like I hadn't seen somebody I know for weeks. You ever feel like that before? He pulled up first thing out of his mouth with something smarty, like, I hope he watches this tonight. He said, this is that van you drove me 100 miles an hour in, home from Sacramento. Remember that trip and the ball game? And I said, well, you're still alive, so suck it up. Anyway, I was so glad to see he and your sister. And then the girls came out, the girls tour group, and I sent you pictures of your daughter singing and got to spend time with them. And they got to sing. Man, I was so proud of them to sing, you know. just. Because there's other colleges there too, and their singing groups stunk. And I don't remember where they're from. I think one was from Tennessee and one from Kentucky, but I don't remember the name of the colleges. And they probably would have had one from Florida there, but there's no contemporary music at the camp, so. I am coming. I am coming on. Trust me. So anyhow, but I'm so they got, they got up there and sang, and here's what I liked about it: they sing country. I'm talking about Red Book hymn songs there. And I was sitting there like, oh, don't do that to the girls. And he had them come up on the platform with the other boys group from the Starchy Colleges, you know. He had them come up there. And he said, we're going to sing this song, everybody will be happy over there. There's a happy land of promise over yep, in the great yep. beyond. Right? You all know that, right? So everybody will be happy over there. I was like, man, they're not going to know that. They got up there and belted that thing out. And I went, what? Man, I'm so glad they knew that song. I told them as they walked up there, they said, don't embarrass me here. <laughs> and they didn't. And then we got to preach Thursday night and 14 young men started to preach on Thursday night. And then some more on Friday night and 34 people got saved and they got to be there and we got to rejoice about it. and got to pray together. And those girls got in the huddle and our tour group goes on praying together. Man, I'm thankful for stuff like that. I don't know how bad you think it is, but I tell you this, God's been better than your bad, whatever it is. And I promise you this, if you'd spend some time, just call time out and say, thank you, Jesus, tonight. It wouldn't just bless him, it'll help you. Those lepers, I don't know what happened to the nine. I could care less what happened to them. I just want to talk about that one. He went back to the feet of Jesus just to say, thank you. And if that's not a picture of you and I who've been saved by grace, I don't know what is. What are you thankful for tonight? When's the last time you thanked the one who gave it to you? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.